We are so glad that you are joining us today on our Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Well, I want to welcome to the stage this morning, Pastor Angel Hudson. Amen. Y'all give, give God some praise for her making it out this morning. We got, we got another tag team duo. Are y'all okay from last week? Because I know Sister Leanne got you with the right, and then I came with the left, okay? But we're going to bring a message of peace and healing to this morning. We invite you in to open up your hearts. We're still in our black and white series. And as we move forward, um, just to be a blessing this morning. You want to welcome the people, Angel? I'm just, I just want to say good morning, and I'm really happy to be here. I don't think that I've ever um, been able to have the privilege to preach here, and so it's really exciting for me. Um, if you don't know, um, myself and my husband, Josh, are the youth pastors at our Madison campus, and I'm also our next-gen director, so I oversee all of our, um, basically from babies to college. So it's such an honor to be here with you this morning, and I'm excited to get started. Amen, 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 amen. Well, we're still in our black and white series. We, we thank you for being here, uh, Pastor Angel, and we love you so much. Uh, we're still in our black and white series. Let's turn to you in your Bibles, New Testament, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 through 29. Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 29. But before faith came... We were kept under guard by the law, kept from the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, (coughs) that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor or Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray over God's word this day. Father, we come to you yielding our, me and Angel come and we yield ourselves to you this morning, Lord. Uh, We ask for you to speak to your people, Lord God. Lord, these are your people, Lord. We are your servants, Lord God, doing what you've called us to do, Lord. And I I pray, Lord, that you use us today. We yield our will to you and our tongue to you. I pray, Lord God, that you correct, rebuke, comfort us, Lord God. Through your holy written word, through this message that you're about to bring this morning. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Today is the second part of our Black and White uh, series, Remix, in a message entitled, The Stigma of Racism. In this message, we're going to talk about what the followers of Christ can do what we as followers of Christ can do to remove racial barriers. Those racial barriers are circumstances or obstacles that keep people of different races or cultures apart, preventing the communication and progress needed to unify the human race. 
the stigma of racism. Stigma is defined as a mark or disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. Stigma is a set of negative and often unfair, say unfair, often unfair beliefs that a society or a group of people have about something. Racism is defined as prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone or of a different race uh, base on belief that one's race is better or superior than the other. It's further defined as belief that all members of any race possess character characteristics or abilities specific to that race, especially so as to distinguish it as inferior or superior to another race or races. As Christians, we have been influenced by the stigma of racism in some form or another. Many times we are unaware of the side effects that racism has on individuals' heart, both directly and indirectly. But through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can be made known on what could be influencing our hearts as believers. Racism is a real issue in our country. Changing the laws has not and will not change the hearts of people. That, my friend, is God's job, even as born-again believers. Racism is a heart issue. Dr. Martin Luther King said, racism is not an opinion. It's an offense. He also said nobody is born racist, but society teaches it. Society, the family, the environment you grew up in has shaped your perspective on life. Racism is a tactic of the enemy to keep God's people divided. Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. There are a few points we will be discussing with you this morning that will help you rid the evil from the hearts of God's people. This evil from the hearts of God's people. So let's open our hearts to the love of God to correct, change, transform us so we can be more like our Heavenly Father. Our first point this morning is that's not what I meant. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of those moments in my life where it's, that's not what I meant, um, especially after my husband and I got married. Right after we got married, there are a lot of adjustments that we had to make um, to, in life and in living together. And if you've ever lived with someone new, you know that that person, as much as you hope and as much as you love them, is not a mirror image of you. So I remember one time in particular when Josh and I had first, right after we got married, had first moved in together, I asked him to do a load of laundry. Now, in my head, a load of laundry is supposed to be done one way, and I thought about it that way. That is, you know, when I asked him to do a load of laundry, I had it my way. So when it was done, and the clothes came out of the dryer, and I was really thankful that he had done laundry for me, I found that some of my clothes had been shrunk. Because in my mind, the clothes that should be hung up to dry didn't go in the dryer, and they should be hung up to dry, and you just know what those are. And I figured, well, I know what that is, so that's obviously he knows what those is. And that's not what I meant when I asked you to do the laundry. <laughs> it, he, so I don't ask him to do the laundry unless I give him very specific instructions on what clothes need to be hung up and what clothes need to be dried. Um, I don't do that anymore. There was miscommunication. 
And that happens a lot of times in our lives where there's miscommunication. And, and a lot of times that miscommunication leads to frustration in our lives. Have any of you guys had that happen to you? Or you've either miscommunicated something to somebody or you've been miscommunicated to you and you've acted on that miscommunication and it leads to frustration? I know that I have. Um, but it's how we deal with miscommunication. It's how we deal with that. It's how we respond to what comes out of miscommunication that counts. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as such as it is for the building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Miscommunication can be toxic to a relationship of any kind. Yeah. It can be toxic. And we're not always aware of what we're saying and who we're saying it to. Right. And, how it may and how what we're saying may affect the person that's hearing it. One of the biggest hurdles that we must clear in order to overcome racial barriers is stereotypes. And I believe that stereotypes are probably some of the most um, atrocious miscommunications that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Stereotypes are defined, this is, the Webster, this is Webster's Dictionary, so just hold tight with me. Stereotypes are defined as a simplified and standardized, standardized conception or image invested with a special meaning and held in common by members of a group. And other, and so th that's confusing, right? It was confusing to me. I had to redo it. It's a, so in other words, stereotypes lump a group of people together based on general assumptions or belief about that type of person. Stereotypes can be damaging in the way that we interact and relate to other people and other races and other cultures because we already assume that we know what they're like. We assume that we know how you should act based on your race or your culture or the color of your skin because society has taught us to believe one thing um, about, their <clears throat> about a race or an ethnicity. And people do not always fit in that box. And culture has told us, whether it's through movies, music, news, media, whatever kind, all of those things perpetrate a certain image of a type of people. And we, as a society, absorb those assumptions. It's dangerous to judge people based on stereotypes. Amen. It's dangerous and it can be very painful for other people. And it can lead, it doesn't, it can, it's not that it can lead, it does lead to major communication, miscommunication. It leads to major miscommunication about who a person is. We must learn how to communicate well with one another. We have to work how to understand, we have to work on how to understand people who are different than us without already believing that we know what they're gonna be like. If I came up to Jasper and I had stereotypes of what an African-American man should be and I had those stereotypes and, and I meet him already in my head, I know what he's going to say or do. In my head, I have all of these assumptions of who he should be. And that's not accurate because he may not fit that stereotype and never has. And he is already being judged based on something that I've picked up through misinformation. Amen. One of the ways that we can communicate better with one another is to give people a pass. And I know this can be hard, but hear me out. We got to give people a pass and we have to allow others to make mistakes and to miscommunicate so that we can better understand each other. And then if we do that, if we give people a, a pass, we can bring correction in love right. without offense and mistakes. So my world growing up was very diverse. 
I grew up, for those of you that don't know, I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is a very different world than Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> it's very different. It's a very different culture. And so growing up, I was always in a very diverse setting. My world was very diverse. Um, and when I was in high school, my friend group reflected that. And so there were a lot of moments where passes had to be given because we were always trying to figure out what was acceptable and what was different and how to interact with each other in a healthy way. I remember one distinct time I was with a group of friends and at that time, the group of friends that I was with, I was the only white person in the group. And we were talking and, and all out of no, it almost felt like out of nowhere, that my friend looks at me and she goes, you know, you're not really white. <laughs> I looked down at my arm, I looked, and I thought in my head, and I looked at her really confused. I was like, what do you, I am white. She was like, no, no, what, she responded to my look of confusion with, no, what I mean is you're everything inside. Mm. And so it still kind of confused me because I was like, what, what is she trying to say? And when I asked further, she said, you don't act like what I expected a white person to act like. I was different. She had assumptions about what I was supposed to act like, how I was supposed to dress, how I was supposed to talk, what I was supposed to eat, what my family was like, that all of these things that she had believed about white people, I wasn't quite fitting that stereotype. In the four years I was there, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about giving people passes. I learned a lot about getting grace because I made mistakes. Um, I learned very quickly that you do not call a Salvadorian Mexican. They will jump down your throat really, really quick because they are not Mexicans. Um, I learned that not all Latin Americans are from Mexico. Right. I learned um, that there were just different people of different races that did different things. And I learned how to love people despite their being different from me. And then learning that their differences made me a better person. They made me more whole. I learned how to communicate with someone who was different than me and didn't look like me. So we have to be willing to give people a pass. We have to be willing to say, you know, I'm gonna let you mess up. I'm gonna let you say maybe a word or a, a term or say something that may be offensive to me so that we can build relationship better. We have to build a relationship, even in the midst of miscommunication or misunderstanding. And we have to be willing not only to give people a pass, but to ask the questions for things that we don't understand. My husband, Josh, is really, really good about this with me because I'm constantly trying to learn how to better understand. My husband, Josh, is an African-American man who was born and raised in Huntsville, Alabama. So I'm, we're different. He sees the world through a different lens than I do. And I'm constantly asking him questions about how what is going on in the world affects his life, how he perceives it. What do you think about what's going on? How, why, why do you feel like things are happening this way? What, please help me understand because as someone who is not of his race and culture, I may not always understand the way that he feels about certain things. And he gives me a pass and he does so with grace and love because I don't, and even though I know my husband, I know my husband very well. We've been married for three years now. I know him well, but I don't want to assume that I know him well enough to make the assumptions on what he's feeling and what he's going through and how he perceives the world. Amen. I'm constantly trying to figure that out because we're different. And I ask questions. 
God is calling us to be a church and a body that is unified. And that's okay for us to ask questions. It's okay for us to make mistakes with one another because we should be learning constantly about each other. How do we become more unified? How do I understand my brother or sister better? And we are all brothers and sisters no matter what our skin tone looks like, no matter where we are from. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we don't let people make mistakes, we even further the divide between us. We further the divide between us. We make a rut into a canyon. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. We have to be safe places for people. We have to be a safe place for people of other races, of other cultures, of other ethnicities to come and share their hearts. God is calling us to be that church. God is calling us to be a church that loves one another, loves the world, and has an attitude of forgiveness. Not negating what may have happened to you, not negating the hurt that you may have had in the past, but walking in unity and forgiveness and love and understanding with one another. We're supposed to love the world and have an attitude of forgiveness. When it comes, when it comes to miscommunication, and if we can't do that, how, how can we overcome any offense or stereotype to build relationship with each other? Point two, it's all about the story. Turn to your Bibles, Malachi chapter 2, verses 3. Have we not all one Father? Have not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning, profaning the covenant of the fathers. In order for believers to overcome the barriers, the race barriers that has been uh there has to be a willingness to look from an objective point of view. In all mankind, there is an inherited trait that we can all relate to. This is, in all of us, uh, a justice trigger. Say justice trigger. Justice there is a desire to see justice serve when injustice seems to prevail. As individuals, we can uh, witness acts done to humanity and automatically interpret with emotions, automatically interpret. That's not right. I mean, y'all been there. You can automatically see that something happened, and automatically, you, that's not right. Amen. Hollywood takes advantage of this trait in humans all the time. Many movies starts out with an injustice. Think about it. A lot of movies starts out with an injustice. Many Disney movies, all investigative crime movies, starts out with a what? Injustice. Hollywood then uses your desires to want to see justice served to hook you into finishing the, watching the movie or episode. Whether we know it or not, the whole time we're very emotional, waiting to see the vindication, waiting to see the retribution. One show of many that captures these opportunities in my heart is the show called Blue Bloods. How many of y'all heard of Blue Bloods? Every single time CSI, all those investigative shows always starts out with something happened that was an injustice. And now we're looking. Why? Because we all have inherited trait to want to see justice served. Where did this trait come from? Where do it come from? It comes from our Father, our Creator of life. 
He is a just God and strongly desires to see all crime committed in the universe to get justice. Amen. He's a just God. He just don't want people to get away with crimes, right? right? He's a just God. Every sin has to be paid for. Every crime has to be paid for. Amen. Amen. That's why Jesus is so important, because he took the payment that you deserve. Amen. Amen. Um, this is why we want justice. This is why Black Lives Matter wants it. This is why the police department wants it. This is why everybody wants justice. Why? We all have been created by our Father. Amen? Unlike the TV, there are millions of cases that looks like the bad guy is getting away. But I submit to you, they are not getting away. This caused problems for the way we are created because the desire for justice to be served doesn't get satisfied. From one man's perspective, it looked like the police is getting away. From another man's perspective, it looks like the criminals is getting away. And there are some points on both sides that make plenty sense and triggers. That's not right. Amen? It triggers that emotion in us. And that, that's, not, that's not right attitude become alive. Why? Because of the justice that we, we, want, it, we want it satisfied. Justice needs to be served. And um, sometimes it makes you want to scream. Yes. That's not right. Amen. Remember, people of God, there is a real enemy, and his name is Satan. And don't make no mistake about it. He's playing both sides. And there is an evil that's influencing the uh, racism in our country. In order to break down these barriers, we have to start seeing and wanting, under, wanting to understand from God's perspective. Then change can come to our hearts. Change comes when the truth is made known. But because the truth reveals lies. Once lies are exposed, we know who the real enemy is. No one is your enemy. No one is your enemy. Satan is. Our third, <clears throat> our third point this morning is choose to see the best in others. We have to remember in Genesis that God created humanity in his image. He created man in his image. It wasn't just Adam and Eve, but it was all humanity. We all, no matter our skin tone, no matter our culture, no matter our ethnicity, we bear the image of God because we are his creation. I bear the image of God. Pastor Jasper bears the image of God. You bear the image of God. Even people who do not believe in Jesus bear the image of God because we are all created by our Heavenly Father. And we have value and equality in God's eyes, all of us. I'm going to read Galatians 3, 26 through 28 again for you because I think it's so beautifully, um, it's just Jesus' heart for this matter. It says, for in Christ Jesus you were all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And this is the important part. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is, either, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You can even change those words. There is no black. There is no white. There is no Latino. There is no whatever you want to put in there. We are all equal in God's eyes. We all have value. We all have worth. We are all worth, we were all worth Jesus going to the cross for. 
Because we are all created equally, we cannot put people in a box. We cannot assume that we already know everything about them. And we can't make judgments based on them on w- by what's on the outside. We must look at people through a lens of grace, through a lens of grace. And we must not only hear their stories, but we must seek to understand and love them. Because of this, we must treat people as God's creation, as God's creation, and see the best in them. Jesus did not die for a particular group of people. Jesus did not die for a particular race or a particular ethnicity or a particular culture. John 3.16, and I'm sure you know it, says, for God, he di- Jesus died for everyone. He died for the sins of the world. He didn't just die for the Jews. He didn't die just for the Greeks. He didn't just die for the rich or the poor. He died for us all so that we all would find forgiveness and grace and be on the same playing field. Jesus did not die for a particular group, and because of that, favoritism or partiality breaks his heart. It breaks his heart. James 2, 1 through 4 says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you sit over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? God does not show favoritism and requires that we don't either. We are to see the best in people. If we could, I could put it another way, you're to see the God in people because he created us. We are, must lose our suspicion of people because we think we know them. We have to lose our suspicion of someone that's different than us because we think we already know who they are. When I was in high school, immigration, much like today, was a huge issue, was something that was being debated and discussed on every news channel and every outlet. It was always being talked about. And it was something that my family had particular beliefs about. Um, And it was something that we talked about. However, I had friends whose parents who had illegally immigrated, who had lived that life, that had made that decision because and finding and talking with them, they made that decision to make a better way for their family. And my friends would share their thoughts and experiences with me about being children of illegal immigrants. It changed the way I viewed the situation. It changed the way I viewed the issue. It changed the way that I saw it because it put some humanity behind it. It wasn't these people that I didn't know that that the news had may have portrayed one way. They were people that I loved and cared about who were being directly affected about by this issue. It was no longer an issue, it was a reality for me. I lost my suspicion of what the type of people were that illegally immigrated because it can be perceived one way. And there's a lot of different things that that happens with that we have a perception of how a particular group of people acts because of what they do. But when we make it a reality for us, when we take the time to lose our suspicion, to try and understand another side of the story, we see God in the midst of it. 
It's vital, it is vital in order to break down racial barriers to lose our suspicion of people and to have genuine conversations about things with already, without presuming that you already know how that conversation is going to end up. To treat people the way that God would treat them. To treat them in love because they are his creations. They do bear his image. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. Endures all things without weakening. That, that is the heart of God. That we would see the best in others. Because just like us, they bear his image. to it. Um, and as Christians, uh, we pray for the people that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially if you was born under a certain environment, uh, that that's people that can influence uh, by racism, especially persecuted racism, um, especially uh, specific violence and hate uh, towards a specific race, uh, from a specific race, that can shape and mold your personality. Um, into forming opinions about another race. It, it really, it, it makes marks on our hearts as young people and it kind of shapes our personality into being a certain way towards a certain race. And the only, the only way we can really come out of that and face these issues of the heart is to really, uh, when God, when we submit to God and yield to him and become born again, then he comes in with his character. And we know that God is love, and everything about him is love, including his justice is love, all right? Because justice, when you commit a crime, you're asking for the reap of that seed. And the Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you will reap life, amen? So we have to... That's love, to allow an individual to reap what they sow. Amen? That's why I love Jesus so much, because I allow Jesus to reap what I sowed. Amen? And then he teach me how not to keep sowing seeds of death, but start sowing seeds of life. Amen? Because of who I am. Hate that resides in the hearts of people is a, is a, is a direct result of the fall. Think about that. Adam's transgression. In the beginning, God created us to love. We've been created in his image. We know God is love. Amen. So we've been created to love. And when Adam sinned, he cut off, he cut himself, he cut mankind off from love. And so mankind became a very selfish, direct opposite of love. Mankind was born into God's enemy image. All right. Which was selfishness. Which was conceit, arrogant, inflated with pride characteristics. Amen. That's why we must become born again. When we become born again, we're born of the nature of love. We reestablish our connection with God. Amen. Yeah. And so now the love of God is being shed abroad in our holy, in our, in, by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Amen. First yeah. John 3, verse 14 through 16. It says, Scripture says, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves we have passed from death to life. 
But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. All right, let's stop right there. There is some activity that can transpire within an individual that God sees as hate and murder. All right. Jesus said if a, if a man just thinks upon being with another woman, he's already committed adultery where? In his heart. Before he even do an act, he commit adultery in his heart. So God, I believe, God looks at the heart of man. All right, this is what the scriptures points to. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical statue, but I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord is more concerned for your behavior that's on the inside than on the outside. There has to be a concern and a priority of what happens on the inside. What are we thinking about when we come across across a certain person? Because this is what happens to me, and I know it happens to many individuals. The enemy can start using preconceived ideas and, and assumptions to start forming ideas about an individual. Guess what it does? It wants to stimulate our behavior to change towards them. It wants to stimulate us to act a certain way. And what we have to fight, we have to fight from within. We have to start believing. No, Jesus is in love with them. Jesus died for them just like he died for you. All right? And that has to start from within. You have to combat those feelings and emotions that comes up when you get around a certain ways or race or someone you don't like. Let's talk about... Let's not talk about talk about certain race because many people excuse that and say, I got black friends. Let's talk about a certain type of personality. Mm-hmm. Some people have problems with different types of personalities. Yeah. All right. And they have and they, they it ain't about race. It's the way people act. Amen. It's the way they wear their clothes. Mm-hmm. It's they it's they mannerisms mm-hmm. that we stay away from. Yeah. All right. So, but let's go to the scriptures even even deeper because Jesus said if you don't love then you are still dead. As believers, there's a certain character trait that's supposed to exist in every believer, and that is love. Hate is the absence of love. If God loves that person and you hate them, we have a problem. Let's say it again. If God loves that person and you hate them, we have a problem as believers. Amen? All right, let's look at this in a deeper context. Trying to avoid a person could be a form of hate. All right, we, and so we gain these definitions of hate from the world, but let's look at it from a biblical context because he said, if you don't love, you hate. We're not talking about all this vicious hate, I just hate them from the world perspective. Just trying to avoid a certain type of personality. You don't like that person. Could be a form of hate. Why? Because your behavior is not displaying what Jesus displayed to you on the cross. And the cross is a definition of love, not what you think. Not what we've been trained what love is. The love of God is, the definition of love is the cross. All right? So, racism is a hard issue. Ask yourself this question. Do Jesus... 
treat you, or do you, do Jesus treat you like you treat people? All right? Think about that. Do your actions line up with how Jesus treats you? Ask yourself this question. Do Jesus treat you like that? Amen? Think about that. In other words, Jesus said, if, you, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. In other words, how you treat people is how you treat God. We want to say we love God all day long. Oh, I love the Lord. A lot of people's love for God is an emotion. It's an infatuation. Amen. It's not an obedience. When you say love God, it's synonymous for obedience. Amen. And he... And this is the reality. How you treat people is how you treat God. Why? Because that person you're treating is the same person Jesus died for. For God so loved the world, not just you and your race. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Sometimes we get over in the corner. I know the Lord loved me, and we just secluded off to ourselves. No, God died for the world. Think about the person you don't like right now, the person that you probably have a problem with right now, the type of individual that you have a problem with. The only way to start really loving them is you have to see God loves them. Mm-hmm. And you've been created in his image. You're a new creature in Christ, been born of love. Now you're a love creature, been created to be just like God. So if we have objections to being like God, then something in our heart is holding us back from displaying the same love that God displays towards us. Amen. I'm not talking about being best friends with people, but at least you can say, hey. hey. At least you can say, how you doing? Blessings. You know, but you might not necessarily have all this emotion. Now, this is what sometimes we get confused. We get confused because we don't have the feelings towards them. But God, let's, let's talk about feelings for a second. All right. When Jesus went to the cross, how much you think he felt? When they plucked his beard, fire, he's pulling them, pop, 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 plucking his beard, put that crown on his head. How much you think he felt? Amen. But did that stop him from going to the cross for you? Sometimes, and I'm telling you, we got to live by faith. We have to step out and just obey God despite how we feel. Love, oh, thank you, Lord, ain't a feeling. Amen. Agape love. Let's make that clear. Mm-hmm. Now, brotherly love is what we're doing here, how we hang around each other, what we're going to be doing next week. In Easter, we eat in after service. And um, everybody's invited. Praise God. <laughs> and so, that's brotherly love. That's colonial. Amen. <laughs> Y'all get that next week. Praise God. So, Let's keep moving forward. When I say those statements that God loves them just as much as he loves you, don't misinterpret that as God agrees with their actions. Because sometimes we can interpret that if we love people, we're saying we agree with them or we agree with their actions. That's not necessarily true. God didn't agree with nobody's actions before Jesus died on the cross. He said, no man seek me. That still didn't stop God from moving and pressing in and loving us. All right? So, yes, that's right. So, like and love is totally different. All right? 
But we have to see people from God's perspective, learning to see people from God's perspective, being open that if I can't love, Lord, check my heart, being open to the fact that we are not looking like who we've been created after. All right. Being open to that. And that's the first step in gaining freedom, being honest about how your heart is. Amen. Romans 12, verse 17 through 21, in closing, in closing. Romans 17, Romans 12, verse 17 through 21. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. It is, if it's possible, as much as it it depends on you, live peaceable with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place for wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Excuse me. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21 is the beginning of your freedom if you're dealing with some issues of your heart concerning another race, concerning a personality. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And we have to remember, love never fails. No one can determine if you have hate in your heart. This is something you and the Holy Spirit do. By agreeing with or being open to the Holy Spirit to help you come to understand what's going on within you when you get a, get around a certain person or around a certain personality. It is something that you will have to trust the Lord to come out of. Because the emotions that you feel around a certain person are real. We're not just, we're not just crediting if you've been uh, offended by a certain race, if you've been taught a certain not discredit that those those feelings and emotions that that you feel are real but we can do something about it we can do something about it it's not too late there is still time for freedom there is still time to acknowledge the bible says First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess in the Greek means to admit to. The spirit of truth will only deal with honesty. And when, our, when the Holy Spirit reveals an area of our heart, that's the perfect time to just humble yourself under God. And say, yes, Lord, you're right. You're right, and I'm wrong. And that concludes our message for today. Thanks again for joining us here at our Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. Look, if you would like to learn more about who we are as a church, please visit our website. Just go to www.r4sq.org. We pray you have a great rest of your week. God bless.